Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. City Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Hey, welcome back to the show, 888-638-4876. If you'd ever like to get involved, it's the top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, and we are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. But for now, let's change gears. Well, I guess we aren't really changing gears entirely because we'll continue One talking. One off to another. Yeah, exactly. A couple smart talking guys. Talking college football uh, with Mitch Sherman at this point. Mitch Sherman is... The, the big Nebraska wiggle. and college football writer for the Athletic, Mitch. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you, Mitch? How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. I've got I'm, my got my coffee, so that's fitting. Does coffee it have cream? If you <laughs> <laughs> like most, it does people. not today. But sometimes. I so Mitch just has a taste of me this morning. Yeah, it's that's cool, fine. Nobody cool. likes cream. I, I get it. It would shock me though if anybody had a taste. Mitch, of me I have you. <laughs> I apologize. It's just Andrew's just over here carrying on. I I normally, you know us, I, I would have got you earlier, but man, you were so busy because you got the insight and you know I'm so shallow. I'm like, uh, everybody else is talking to Mitch, so I don't want to. Right. But well, then Well, and you just listen to teenagers, so <laughs> like you listen to them on the football field and uh, yeah, when, when it comes to booking at, at guests. The high school. So Mitch, I apologize that I'm we're 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 late, man. I but No, you're good. Don't ever assume that I'm too busy. But it's good. It's good to I appreciate that you were you were taking that into account. But I thanks was. for having me on. I you know, I was like, okay, so I always like different angles and 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 you can go so many places, but I got to start with, are you surprised or not at all, because it is Dylan Rayola, that it has garnered so much buzz that you had such good insight? No, I don't think there's a there's a, an appetite to talk about recruiting in general. And then when you're in this situation right now with a new coaching staff and they're targeting the number one player in the country and he happens to be the son of a, a former Nebraska great. It's like the perfect storm of things that are going to get people interested. So I knew in going to, to Arizona last week and, and spending most of last week with the exception of a few hours on signing day, working on this piece that came out Friday about Dylan and who he is as a quarterback and where things stand with his recruiting. I knew that it would be um, something that generated a lot of interest. So it, it, it has, and, and that's good. That was the point of doing it. 
Mitch, keep it right there because Coach Rule is a fit guy, and whether you have no stars or five stars, if you fit in the program, Rule wants you at Nebraska. But knowing what you know, take it from the perspective of the recruit. Does Dylan Rayola feel like he's a fit at Nebraska? Yeah, I think that if he ends up being a part of this program, it's first because he's a fit and then because he obviously has the talent. I do think that that's what this staff looks for first. Now, you might notice a guy like Dylan Rayola because there's five stars next to his name, but before Nebraska and Matt Rule, this coaching staff, before they would get intensely interested and make somebody their number one target in in an entire class or even at a position group, they're going to find out about what that person is going to bring from a fit standpoint. And he has that, the, just the, the desire to be in a place where relationships drive the uh, conversation, you know, are at the forefront. That's important to him. And, and obviously, now that we've all had a chance to get to know Matt Rule and how he goes about putting together a roster, you can see how important that is to him. Uh, Mitch, on a much smaller scale, uh, give or take a star and a half, uh, I'm kind of dealing with, some of the same things that I hear Dom talk about. and uh, He's a good bud, and you can bounce some ideas. But philosophically, when you look at fit, it's your son. It's however many years that they're going to be there. Do you feel like they do a good job of balancing the, hey, it's my alma mater, I could walk on water there, versus this is my son's own journey? Yeah, you guys have got some things in common, right? <laughs> more than more than ever right now. More than your Nebraska heritage. It's got to be an interesting, uh, an interesting time when the two of you talk. But I think they do. You know, I think some of that comes from the experience that they had at Ohio State. Um, not just Don, but his wife Yvonne. As they look at this, um, and, and I, I talked to both of them about this subject of you know how they want to exert influence over Dylan. You know, and it'll be the same thing with Dayton when the next round of recruiting comes around. You know, he's got a Nebraska offer as a quarterback in the 2026 class, and I think more offers are to follow based on uh, getting eyes on him last week, too. I saw Dayton during the workout. He was there with Dylan, and and he's grown three or four inches since the last time I saw him, which was in late October. So he's on his way to being a highly rated quarterback recruit too as soon as Dylan gets out of the way and he can take over the offense at, at, at Pinnacle High School where they're both enrolled now as of this month. But their their experience in going through what they did with Ohio State I think has taught them some things. And, and, and number one, it's to really listen, sit back and listen and let Dylan drive this thing. Um, and I, I think that's where Nebraska comes in because their knowledge – Especially Dominic, his knowledge, his understanding, his passion, it's, it's in Lincoln. His heart is in Lincoln. But they know that this needs to be a decision that D- Dylan makes for his own reasons and not because it's a place that his parents are familiar with. Just kind of knowing the family outside looking in, I'm obviously not a dinner, a dinner guest, Mitch, but I think we kind of undersell Yvonne's presence. Uh, I know we talk Dom because – we're familiar with Dom, and we think son, dad. But, man, if it's anything like in my own house, uh, that female voice could carry a significant amount of weight. Do you get that sense? Absolutely. And they, you know, that was one of the great things about getting to do this story because I know Dom, too, and have known Dom and was covering the program when he played and have stayed 
um, aware of what he's done over the years. But I did not know Yvonne, other than maybe meeting her one time on a on a campus visit or, or, or seeing her, um, knowing a little bit about her. That was the extent of it for me. But um, getting to talk to her and also getting to talk to Taylor Rayola, uh, their oldest, who's oh, a volleyball TCU. player at TCU, that yeah. shed, shed some light also on the family dynamic. And, you know, I talked to Dominic about Yvonne and about what she brings to the table as far as what Dylan has as an athlete. She was a fierce competitor in her own right. She was a swimmer and a water polo player at the University of Hawaii. And, you know, she has this softer exterior when you meet her. I think you, 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 you get this impression that she's very kind and compassionate. And I think those things are there. They certainly are. They exist. But there's a fierceness beneath that. She's every bit the competitor that, that Dom is. And it's been passed on to their kids. Certainly the two oldest ones. Um, I can't tell you about Dayton because I don't know enough about him. But they say that he's a mix of the two older ones. Um, when, when they went to USC a couple of weeks ago, and met Lincoln Riley in person for the first time on the USC campus. It was the first chance for him to get to meet Yvonne. And when they walked into the room, it was Dominic and, 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 and Dylan and Yvonne. Lincoln Riley asked Dylan to introduce him to his mother. Mm. The first thing he did. And Dylan described the conversation to me, and it was as if Lincoln Riley could do no wrong after that moment because he wanted to meet Yvonne. That tells you how important she is in the picture. Mitch, let me ask you something um, topically. Just because there are so, they're so measured, whether it's business acumen, whether it's NIL, whether it's two, three, four-year commitment, whether it's playing right away, do you get the sense that uh, the, the family, there's this quiet, that Polynesian influence, right? Like that quiet warrior strength, that sense mm-hmm. of family. Coach Rule hasn't really had the chance to sit down with Dylan yet outside of just visiting in Arizona. Is recency bias a factor, do you think, with what he maybe feels about SC versus when he visits Nebraska, even though they do seem to have a pretty good blueprint on what they want to build? Yeah, you know, you ask that question, and it's like we've had this conversation before, but we haven't. Because, you know, I've thought that, and I think I've said some of those exact things in conversations that I've had since I got back from Arizona. And I'm not saying conversations I've had in public. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really perceptive, and Damon. And, and, you know, obviously you have a great understanding of the situation because of, of your relationships. But those are observations exactly like what I made. When he went to see Georgia play for the national championship in Los Angeles, you saw on his social media and you heard from the interviews that he did all kinds of hints that he favored Georgia. And then he went to USC when he was out in L.A. for the 3D QB training. And he came back, and it was all about USC and Lincoln Riley. And I'm not downplaying those events in in Dylan's mind but I do think that a lot of that has to do with 
the coaches who made the most recent impression on him. Mm. And those guys at Georgia and at USC, you know, are great at what they do when it comes to recruiting. So they're going to make strong impressions on people. But to your point, he has not had the opportunity to sit down with Matt Rule and come to Lincoln since this new regime has been in place. Now, Dominic has been in Lincoln since the new regime has been in place, but Dylan has not, and his mom has not, and the extended family has not. They're going to get that opportunity in March, at the end of March, and it'll be really interesting to see after they go to Georgia, they'll have been back to USC at that point, and then they'll come to Lincoln uh, before the 1st of April. It'll be really interesting to see then how he feels about all three schools because they'll kind of be on even ground at that point. Um, Matt Rule has been there, but he has not had an extended conversation in person with Dylan and the Rayolas. Um, he does talk to them on FaceTime, but as you know, it's different when you sit down with somebody in person. And you know, Mitch, I, I want to go back to when you were talking about the family dynamic here, because something that, it, at least the age that I grew up in, it's all been about, you know, social media and, and you know, being a part of something in a digital world rather than the real world. And, you know, he's a teenager, right? You know, it's hard to avoid being on social media, but that that's like something that the family really, really kind of said, like, hey, let me manage this. Like, they, they were micromanaging his social media. Like, his mom takes care of his Twitter page. His sister takes care of monitoring his Instagram page so that he doesn't have to come across really anything. But, you know, based on what you learned about his personality, is that easy for him? Is that easy to kind of be off the grid and doing his own thing when all of his peers are doing what the rest of the world's doing? He's really laid back. And I've talked to him before, but but standing with him in in Arizona and talking to him in person, you know, you really get an understanding of what his personality is like. And I think that serves him well because if you're the number one player in the country you don't even have to be the number one player in the country you can just be a a highly rated recruit you can be a three-star recruit who's got one or two offers and it can still be overwhelming um heck you can be somebody who's targeted as a walk-on and it can be overwhelming to go through this process so when you've got everybody in the country every school in the country that wants a piece of you um it's really difficult not to not to feel like um there's just a tremendous amount of pressure on you. Not to mention the fact that he's in the middle of transferring schools. You know, Dylan was was had yet to go to school at Pinnacle uh, when I talked to him. You know, he's got in Arizona all kinds of people. I mean, it was the talk of of the town in the football community in in Arizona when I was there. What's going on? Why is he leaving Chandler? What? Why is he going to Pinnacle? Yeah. You know, and and as as Dom and I talk, that was not a storyline nationally. You know, he's just transferring from one Phoenix high school to another to find the best fit for him. But in Phoenix, where he's at, and he's 17, he's hearing tons of talk about that. And he does a great job, of, I think, of compartmentalizing it and of, of just having the right personality so that it doesn't appear to weigh on him. He's focused on his training. He's focused on his school, on his family, on the relationships, the real relationships that he has, and t- that the people that he talks to face-to-face, whether it's coaches or trainers or whatever that might be. And he lets a lot of that other stuff slide. And in, in large part, it's because of some of the burden that um, people like Yvonne, his mom, and Taylor, his sister, and, of course, Dominic have taken away, taken off him, taken off of his shoulders. I'm going to try to get into a couple quick things here real quick. Mitch, How do you get the sense how important winning is at this particular juncture? 
I think he recognizes that USC and Georgia, and even if he extends his reach out to like Michigan or Oregon, that they're in positions to win championships that you're not going to find at least this year at Nebraska. Now, who knows in 2024, you know, he'll be an early enrollee. So he'll be in, in college, wherever he lands a year from now. And it's hard to say where Nebraska is going to be a year from now. Yeah. It's important for him to win. And he certainly recognizes what they're doing at Georgia. Um, he was there at the game. You know, he sees a team that's on a completely different level than, than what he's seen when he's gone to look at other, other programs. But I think when you're a five-star guy and you're that confident in yourself, you, you're of the belief you, 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 that you're going to help bring in great players around you. And just having a five-star quarterback you know, is going to bring any program seemingly closer to winning. Hey, Mitch, you know, there are so many stories to read regarding how much Dominic's playing days poured into Dylan's development. Uh, what in particular stands out to you in that capacity that – maybe another recruit doesn't have because he didn't have the luxury of going to work with his dad every day. Well, there aren't many recruits out there. I mean, you could, you could, it's a very small conversation. Like Arch Manning is in this category, the number one player in the 2023 class who's at Texas now. And there are very few others who you can put in the category that Dylan Raiola sits in as far as the influences that he's had around him at the quarterback position. And you look at that in the surface and you go, what do you mean? I mean, Dominic wasn't a quarterback. Dylan didn't grow up uh, with a quarterback in his house. Well, he really kind of did because Dominic had this unique relationship, you know, going back to Nebraska in the way that he had a relationship with Eric Crouch, his quarterback for three years of his college career. Um, He had a relationship like that with Matthew Stafford, with Drew Stanton, with Dan Orlovsky, John Kitna, all quarterbacks for the Lions. Those guys were in the Rayola house. Um, Dominic was, was older than all of them. So when, when those quarterbacks came into the organization, he made it his mission to take them under his wing, not because he was expecting to raise, raise future quarterbacks, uh, in, in 2020 and beyond, but that certainly has played a huge role in the development of, of Dylan and Dayton as quarterbacks, because those guys were around the Detroit lions quarterbacks and they came to be uncles for, for those, those two. And, they've absorbed a huge amount of just who Matthew Stafford and that group were as people and as quarterbacks. And, and you can hear it in Dylan's voice and you can see it in his play, how impacted he is by spending time around those guys. Uh, last one for me, Mitch, and I got to take advantage of your depth. So I'm going to go topical here with Nebraska's coaching in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. You've seen it close you've covered it from afar now we cover it close again this was a comment to me and I want to get your thoughts this is an outsider looking in he says for years I've said Nebraska like Texas continues to hire coaches that are learning on the job the reason that rule comes across so confident is because he's done this before he doesn't have to spend time learning what to do he's simply implementing his system Get this, Mitch. No one on his staff is second-guessing him, and he isn't threatened by anyone on his staff. One united voice, one direction. He's willing to share the program with former players and coaches, but this is 100% his show. Sounds pretty factual, doesn't it? I read that, and I was like, is that the key? Is that why we're tempted to mix the Kool-Aid without the sugar? And with the sugar, Mitch? I think it's a key. 
it's hard to know what the key is at this point. <laughs> you know, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to see this thing play out over an extended period of time, and then look back on it and say it that's the key or that was the key. Mm-hmm. But it's a key, and I think it's all true. Me too. And there's a tendency, yeah. There's a tendency when you hear that to want to compare it to past coaching regimes and say, okay, now I understand, you know, why it didn't work here for this guy or for that guy. And now, to me, that's not the point. To me, the point is to look forward and say, yes, these are all important aspects. These are these are all important characteristics that Matt Rule brings to the equation. And it doesn't necessarily matter if the guys before him had that or didn't have that. You know, some of the coaches who came before Matt Rule, who came between Tom Osborne or Frank Solich and Matt Rule, had some of the characteristics that look it looks like are going to allow him to succeed. Mm-hmm. I don't know that any of them had all of the characteristics that it makes that it looks like are going to allow him to succeed. But we'll see if it if it plays out that way. Mitch, last one from me, and and I'm going to go back to Rayola here. But I want you to I want you to address Husker Nation here. You know, something that will be hard for this fan base is if they go throughout this recruiting process being teased and tickled, and then you know maybe it doesn't go the way that they were hoping it went. If that ultimately happens, what is your message to them, and what do you think uh, you can you can say that maybe gets them back on the positive train? Well, it's okay to be disappointed if that happens. I mean, I think everybody will be um, around the Nebraska football program. But Nebraska's going to find a quarterback in the 2024 class, and Nebraska's going to put together – a strong class in 2024. It's much more important to have a good class top to bottom than it is to have one guy who's the, um, the face of it. What they're trying to do is have, is have both of those things, and that would be the ideal situation. But there's no guarantee that um, if Dylan Rayola comes to Nebraska or wherever he goes, that he's going to be the best guy in that class, that he's going to be better than what the alternative would be for Nebraska if it signs. So the, the sky is not falling if you don't get your, your top target in this class at any position, um, even quarterback. Um, but you, they're going to miss players all the time. But the important thing is that they're, they're in the game, that they're putting in the effort and, and maximizing the opportunity to be able to recruit a guy like this. You're going to miss some, but if you, if you put in the work and you, you, know, you do the job the way it looks like these guys are set to do it with players like Raiola, then you are going to sign some of those guys. And that's what's important in the big picture. Mitch, let me sneak in one more. Uh, a lot of, you know, DeVito's out of Illinois. Wisconsin's got a couple guys in. Iowa has a uh, new quarterback play. Northwestern's made a change, O-line and O-C. Nebraska's doing what they're doing. Minnesota had some yeah. staff turnover, but Flex still in place with a couple of key defensive guys. Who's the most interesting well, – Purdue has a new head coach. Who's the most interesting team right now for you in the Big Ten West? Well, outside of Nebraska, you know, Nebraska is the most interesting to me because I'm around it and I'm covering it. And I, would, I would hope it's the most, it should be the most interesting to me every year because that's what I'm writing about. But I understand your question. I'd probably say Wisconsin. And that's, I, I agree. Dramatic, I agree. Yeah, the dramatic <laughs> difference and change that's taking place there with Luke Fickle. And you're talking about turning something, if not 180 degrees, you know, 160 degrees. So I'm fascinated to see what happens there with that offense and the, just the entire program and, and, and the, the amount of change. Because Wisconsin is a place that has not uh, 
undergone a lot of change for a long, long time. So to bring to bring in this system and and to do what and I think it's good that they're trying to 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 get ahead of this because there are changes coming to the Big Ten West. It's not going to be the Big Ten West forever, and they're going to be playing teams that aren't normally on the schedule in conference. So it's good for Wisconsin to do this and and be proactive instead of reactive. But I'm really fascinated and interested to see what happens. Mitch, this was fun. We should definitely do it again soon. We'll share you, Mitch. We appreciate you. (laughs) That is Mitch Sherman, Nebraska college football writer for The Athletic, which uh, some of the stories that he wrote just in in, in recent weeks, I mean, I love – I, I love Hale Varsity yeah. because the, the, there are people, but The Athletic is another place for me that I find great information. Yeah. And if, and which, by the way, we've got to get Brady. I Tom? Keep, I, I keep saying oh, it. Not Tom Brady? Brady Oltman. Yes, and we don't. So, Shane, we'll hey, work next on up, Brady Oltman. <laughs> Maybe we'll get another teenager to text us. <laughs> Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio.